Welcome back to Anime Savants, everyone. This week I am Suleta Mercury. Oh, see, I was gonna say the same thing. However, oh. uh, and don't matter. No, for, we, we could do the same, but I think this week uh, I I know the name of this character, and they have they, it aired this week, but they have not revealed the name. So I'm oh. just gonna say the dog from uh, Spy Family. Oh, oh, okay. I mean, TikTok didn't ruin that shit for me, so I already know his name. But yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Okay. All right. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. I mean, so do you want to do uh, you want to do the what we watched first, and then we'll hop into yeah, the, yeah. yeah. The let, let, that, that should be pretty, pretty good. Okay. Yeah. So, Spy Family came back. How'd you like it? Uh, I. I'm very excited for it. And also, I felt like the last core ended with like a tease, but it didn't kind of like end on a hard note. So yeah. the fact that we kind of got right into the story um, with the uh, assassination plot uh, was a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, like most of the, or maybe half the episode was just resetting, giving us like a new story mm -hmm. to follow. Uh, Anya wants a dog. So we get like, lots of cute animal stuff i laughed my ass off when the dogs in the first shop were like how that dog had a six pack how that happened yeah and the I'm spy mad, dogs like, like flexing yeah that one tail hitting the ground oh, yeah like, yo oh, when he was man. in the back it was wham yeah wham, wham, yeah <laughs> but i also love how like anya's commentary in the background where she's like anya doesn't like any of these yes <laughs> like, perfect. she was she was out on those dogs um, that was fun. The uh, excuse that Lloyd made to get out of there. He's just, oh, I was suddenly going to have diarrhea. And they just dipped. Um, and they that think that cool. he still has diarrhea throughout all this shit happening. So I'm just like, oh, man. Just yeah. on brand. And I think what really uh, like attached me to this episode, of all things, was yours constant reaction to the deterioration of the situation. Like her facial expressions. Just got me bugging, like <laughs> all the time. Had me bug. Like when she realized that like Anya was gone, and then like the face that she made before she jumped up to yeah. the ceiling. Yeah. Just like I, I got a good cackle out of that one. Um, obviously the stuff with the terrorists and the dogs is absurd, but it's also like funny in its own way, tragic in its own other way. Lloyd doing kind of all of his tricks in this episode, including dressing up as the uh, terrorist leader like five seconds and then berating his boss like you try to get me to do this shit with like a few minutes of footage like i could have fucked all this up like y'all really yeah flying fast and loose today um and then anya's interaction with the dog uh were great as they both try to figure each other out and the it you know that when you see a character that you know is coming but you know obviously i'm not reading so i'm just going off of what the the hints they were dropping yeah. by the end of last season you always wonder, does the dynamic hold up of the show and the storytelling? I'm telling you right now, that dog fits right in. Fits right in. So I really enjoyed this episode. What did you think? I loved it. I mean, from your thinking that she was being sex trafficked into being like a child bride. The I'm little like, noise Anya made in her own mind. Was yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> um, uh, Starlight Anya coming back. And then the theme, that was the thing, though. I love the theme of, like, the moment I saw Starlight Anya, I was like, it's about to go to shit. Because the last time she did Starlight Anya, it was a fucking, like, sweeping defeat. 
So it's just like yeah, it didn't work. It, it didn't work. They were going in circles, work. and I was like, "Oh my <laughs> god, it's perfect! It's it's perfect." But I did like that. You know, the size difference allows her to ride the dog, and also like the the other like sci-fi element that gets added into it, where the dog can't specifically speak, but it can it can like let her know through her telepathy what it's mm-hmm. seeing and what is going on. So I enjoyed that aspect. Um, yours reactions. I honestly enjoyed. I honestly enjoyed Anya more than anyone this episode because. She acted. She acted literally like a child would if they were to go to like an animal event like that. Like, yes. there was a point where she was frozen from the overstimulation. She was just like, <laughs> I don't know what the fucking do. Like, she oh was my like, god! Was like, he's like dogs, yeah, kitties, yeah, buddies, ah. yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, no, that's literally a kid will. Li- they'll run to everywhere and then they'll be like, I can't decide what to do. Mm-hmm. And then there's either crying or you know. I'm going to hyper-focus on this one thing and then cry about not getting to do the rest later. Like, it was, yes. it's just it's just on brand. Um, I loved how the dog had... It, its bark is bigger than its bite. Definitely. <laughs> that motherfucker was like, rah, rah, rah. That nigga picked that pole up. Went behind Anya. I was like, oh, my God. The dog's VA was having a time with that character, let me tell you. Because the like way the they have him do his little barks, it's not like a dog. It's sort of like it's it's literally a person playing a dog playing a person. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the noise, the sound of the dog is making kind of matches the cadence of speech. Yeah, but it's not saying anything because it's a dog, and they don't imply that the dog can can speak. It's just a very intelligent dog that also can see the future and then because Anya can read its mind I guess it's sophisticated enough uh, mm-hmm. you know a creature for her to actually get something out of the mind reading they do have a way of communicating that's both verbal and nonverbal but it's it's in a, it's in that weird way that this show has done a lot of things where like for example like because Anya can read Lloyd's mind she's able to come up on the spot and reinforce his deception to get out and go do spy stuff but they're not actually communicating to each other. Yeah. It's just it's just her matching his energy. The, the Anya the dog is like a little different because they actually kind of are communicating to each other, but the way that a child would talk to a an animal like we do this all the time with animals. We like, you know, you're 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 like I have a cat. My cat does something stupid. I yell at that cat like it's a person. Yeah. Right? But as yeah. far as the cat is concerned, it's just me being loud. Right and aggressive. <laughs> they they don't know that I'm like you know. Or I'll come downstairs and I'll just look at her and be like, "You're fat. You're fat." She doesn't know what the fuck is going on. It doesn't god. hurt her feelings. Oh my god. You know what I mean? Like I could berate this animal all day, and it's like whatever. Like oh, it's just making noises. Whereas like Anya and the dog, because the dog is intelligent and they're kind of working together, there is kind of a real two way communication. But then also he's still a dog, and she's also still like a six year old. So it kind of goes nowhere. <laughs> the range is limited. Yeah. 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 I love it. I mean, I especially enough for black people. Black people talk to their do- their pets like they are children. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they are actual mm-hmm. humans. So yeah. I, now you know what I, you I, did. No, yeah. they, he doesn't know. Yeah, he they, doesn't they know. don't know. And that's why they're barking <laughs> back at you because they're just like, oh, are we playing? Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. being loud. I could be loud. Let's go. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love the whole episode. I also just really enjoyed the pacing. I feel like a mm-hmm. lot went down 
in the episode. Yeah. And th- they did do the like, oh, you know, this is what's going on and this is what's happening. But it's an, unlike My Hero Academia's previous season, not this season. I didn't watch a new season's episode yet. But in previous seasons of Re- My Hero Academia, they would waste like a whole fucking episode going through like old shit and then put filler in the end. I'd be like, oh, we, didn't, we didn't need this. You could have just kept it going. Like, everyone's mm-hmm. here for what we're here for. And they did that. They literally set up the dog stuff at the end of the last episode from last season. So I feel like now if someone were to discover Spy X Family and watch it all the way through, it wouldn't even seem like there's a seasonal break because it makes sense going from the end of the previous episode into this. Like, it just keeps it moving. There's no oh, we're going to update you guys on where everyone is at. No, she got the Stella. She's getting a dog. Next. Right. Yeah, so they, they basically rolled right into um, the story and didn't bother with a, a time. I mean, there was like, you know, the 30-second sort of recap, but that's about it. And typically, mm-hmm. the show doesn't do a lot of um, aggressive recapping. It's normally in the context of a character remembering a thing that occurred with somebody else so you'll get like maybe a quick scene but uh, and again like i kind of i read a little bit of the manga in the beginning and then i just said okay i'm happy to enjoy the show as it comes out after that but i got the feeling also in the manga that there wasn't a lot of recapping either so it feels Mm -hmm. like they're keeping a very similar pace as well but i don't i can't you know confirm or deny uh how much they are stretching some things out because obviously there's material that is being left to the side. My presumption is that if they were leaving some stuff out, it's probably to do with like um, additional scenes with the wise people. Cause I can, uh, cause oh. the, like the, uh, the Island castle little uh, couple of chapters, I believe there was more to it than just like the quick, you know, Oh Lloyd explains to the rest of like his people that this is really a mission. Like, I think there was a little bit more, um, explanation and more interaction like with his boss so i'm willing to believe that maybe they're cutting things like that down a bit but yeah the pacing is really really good um i also watched uh the first episode of witch from mercury uh, that's yes. kind of like re- required viewing for me yes. i did not um have a strong idea of how they were going to open the story outside of the prologue mm-hmm. prologue is obviously like very heavy on um like Saleta's like backstory so you don't really even meet her character you meet her as a baby so it's not really what we're getting in the building up like the Gundam lore correct and and all that was all that's fine and and it's it's cool and I'm a big you know mecha person but I'm also the type of individuals like I don't think that's the most important part of any of these stories you know the cool robots are supposed to just keep your eyes entertained while the actual like drama is going down mm-hmm. and they 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 made it very clear from the very beginning that this is Gundam High School okay and i love it i love the concept i also like all of the surface level cues that they've taken from revolutionary girl utena because this is like everyone lesb- is this saying is, it this is the lesbian gundam so like let they're going with it and it's actually the exact same setup as the beginning of utena i'm saying utena but it's utena yeah like uh like uh uh it's it's the same setup uh with uh Miarine kind of as a stand-in for anthe even though if anyone knows how toxic uh, <laughs> Anthony and Utsuna's relationship is in that show. It's a good thing that they're only taking like the surface level stuff because yeah. I that that other part is not great. Um, but we can talk about that another time. Um, 
thought the animation still looked great. Um, I'm curious now as to getting, ironically, more backstory as to what went down with Saleta in the intervening time. So, because, go ahead, yes. I well, I didn't even know this myself, but apparently there's a novel that like is already doing the background stuff for that. I didn't know that. I found it out through a YouTube comment, but um, they didn't spoil what happened to me in the YouTube comment. But what I'm hoping is that they include the novel information into the show, like eventually. That's what I yeah. Like. I'm just genuinely interested. There's some shows where I don't care about the backstory because it's the least engaging part of the show and how they would explain things for example like um the last thing i want are just recaps or the last thing i want is a lot of exposition but i but it is useful to know what relationships certain individuals have with others or with organizations or even the politics just sprinkled out in a way that isn't uh boring you know, if, and I, I don't think that there's going to be much of a problem with that. I mean, Gundam shows love their exposition. So to some degree, yeah. I'm kind of like, I'm like ready for it. But I'm just now actually curious about it, whether there's in other shows, I could care less and they got to convince me. Um, so, so there's that. Animation's great. I thought the music was actually pretty good. The music was um, great. Yeah. I was trying to pick out like what the main like repetitive theme was going to be, but there's so much variety in the way they do like the There was kind the... of like an EDM kind of thing playing when they were in the greenhouse area and by yeah. the end of it I was like I actually kind of enjoyed that because it went along with everything that happened in that entire scene from like the very beginning to the what is it Goel like destroying yeah, the, shit the, and then the the dual declaration and shit like that. I was like, wait, this the track actually fit everything. Like it was great. But then there was also variation with everything else because I mean, you're not gonna have a space opera without a string instrumental. Like it's just it's right. not fucking happening. It there's also like um and I and I this is true in a lot of the uh alternate century timelines that Gundam goes to. It's true to like greater and lesser degrees, but um you can kind of go, or they kind of go two different directions. One is to go um, very, very dramatic and serious. And the other is to go kind of goofy and over the top. And sometimes they do both. Sometimes, you know, I think a perfect example is Gundam Wing. Because on its surface, it's very dramatic and serious with a bunch of emo boys talking about murdering oh. people and blah, blah, blah. But when you actually watch it, so many things that occur are just goofy as as fuck like niggas running around with masks on like cackling mustache twirling villains like there's all it's all there yeah you know in this show so aside from the utina vibe the utina vibes i also got um g gundam i also Ooh. got uh some seed so there's like little bits sprinkled in about the presentation that kind of lean more on the they know this is over the top and they know that there's a lot of parts of this are stupid and they're just going with it. Like even the setup for the school, like if you told me they're don't give me the name, but like the pitch is we're doing, you know, Gundam high school with a female main character. Who's going to be like dueling people every week while the rest of the plot goes on. I see G Gundam in that. I see over the top. I see people howling and screaming and extreme personalities all through the lens of like a 
like school soap opera. Yeah. Which cannot be serious. Like the, the I don't care what anybody says about oh baby feel thing. Maybe it does, but that's just not a setup for a serious show. And since it's not gonna be overly serious, you should lean into goofier over the top concepts. Like when you see the Gwell Gart, whatever, that yeah. the robot it it looks cool, the little, but there's also the little, a large part that are ridiculous. Like the little poof, whatever the, the fuck little you poof. Call it. What the fuck? Yeah. What do you mean space like, hair? What the fuck is this? What does that do? That it that, it like it would be one thing if during battle those were like mini bits that all like mm-hmm. flew out that bitch. No, it was literally just feathers. But that also fits the personality of of Gwell Turk, right? Like yeah. he's a a very aggressive, over the top kind. Of, first of all, it's also like. It's like a, a warm purple, you know, like, so that's his mm. primary color. Like, all these things visually communicate ideas that the show's going for, and I like all those ideas. I liked in G Gundam how the the mobile suits were just ridiculous. They didn't try to explain why. Why, did, why, does, this, why does this robot have a, a fur mane? It doesn't matter Huge why. Huge arm pads. Yeah, why? It doesn't matter why. It just does. And then you animate it well, and then everyone shuts the fuck up. So, like, that's what I feel like we're getting already. Um, I think the Aerial Gundam is a very cool design. I'm pleased that they... You know, Gundams in general have a very feminine appearance. Mm-hmm. Just because they are... Often the, the, the hero suit is slender and has a lot of, like, the body form that most people just visually associate with a more female shape. Um, there's some notable exceptions in the history, even the UC series. Like if you go look at the GP zero one and two, the complete, complete, like getting away from the old design, chunky, they call them fat Gundam or whatever. Yeah. Like that's a look here. They've managed to draw this interesting line where like the training suits, you kind of see they are bulky and, but everything is, feels rounder. You know, the heads are round, the body shapes are rounded, and then they'll have these, like, yeah, blocking portions. Yeah, it gives portions. me and G vibes. 100%. That's exactly yeah. where I was going. So we're telepathic. So they, so there's a lot of influence of the more modern, um, original Gundam designs that are in there. But because the lead is a is a, is female, I like that they also resisted the, the push to make the aerial Gundam more obviously feminine-inspired. They don't need to yeah. do that because that's already true of the sort of generic Gundam designs from a lot of the AC stuff. Like even if you look at Iron Blooded Orphans, like the the uh, you know the hero suits there all had, I mean, incredibly like slender looking body shapes. Um, the CGI is very well covered, so I love that they incorporated that, especially for like they made beam weapons somehow feel more um impactful like they made the beam bigger they made everything like green and neon um the hits on some of these guns i was asking myself in that first duel how the fuck do they allow people to do this at this school because like easily anything could have gone wrong and then everybody would have died right I mean, like Suleta the beam weapons are live stray metal like, yeah, like that. Like so, Gundam High School is not a safe place to send your the child or the children of all these fucking billionaires. Like that doesn't make any sense at all. But, but again, also, it's the billionaires it's don't give a fuck about each other either because they try to kill each other. So yeah, which which brings me, <laughs> thank you for bringing that up because that brings me to fucking uh whatever Gel Turk's dad was it Durit or Delit? I don't yeah, know how I the, didn't what, even the really get correct his name. translation. Yeah, this this nigga 
only works in the world of an absurd show like this. Because when we meet him, the very first thing he's doing is gutting and f- and destroying a company that ostensibly belongs to his own industrial group because they, they didn't make profits. Like, if you use that lot, no business person would operate... The- and and someone was like, oh, we can recover. Yeah, they- and he was like, nope, I, I only want, you know, uh, success in my organization. It's like, nigga... You should be out of out of a job. You should be bankrupt right now. Like that this only works because you and your company have plot armor. Like the plot armor is on the money. <laughs> Instead of the, the mobile suit. Um but he's a he, I mean he's our current sort of big bad. We see all the politics around him. We kind of got introduced to the other families that make up this like business consortium that are clearly like the sub bosses that yeah. our main character is going to go through uh, in order to get wherever they're going with the rest of the story. So taking them down via their children as proxies in a duel at Gundam High School is the, like, I understand the structure. So like, just give me that. Okay. That's, that's all. I don't need anything else. They don't have to like, the floor of my enjoyment is already set. So I'm cool. And then he almost gets killed, you know, but get blown up. But then his son loses the other guy's son, the Jeter, whatever his name is, loses loses the duel. Yeah. So now magically his son isn't engaged anymore, which is a really stupid system that Delit put in, in place and doesn't give a fuck about. Which well, again, yeah, is and they know fuck. it's stupid. And they, I think the guy said something about while the duel system is in place for now right. so is it like is it even permanent or is it something recent before i don't know it's so it's fucking it. dumb okay but i like <laughs> but, but, the but again I'm, that's not a criticism show. yes that's not a criticism yeah big loud and dumb is how i generally prefer my television like i i need it to be stupid i get worried when people have a stupid idea and then they try to take it very seriously i worry about i worry about that because that's when dumb ideas can't hold up under the pressure of having to be taken seriously. Yeah. Um, and then other than that, I think we uh, have a pretty clear conflict going forward because everyone was pretty discriminatory towards Suleta. And that will... There without even right. them appearing. Yeah, and my only question is how come nobody else sees this as obvious? Like, is it shouldn't Ariel Gundam that design just be known to everyone in these companies like oh yeah we passed a lot getting rid of these things so how the fuck could she just like ride how it how did into she get town? admitted into school knowing yeah. that this was her mech yeah right i mean i would imagine since the delic company owned the and were the ones who killed her parents and destroyed that other like uh company they worked for to stop it from existing i would assume that the moment it showed up it should be like oh right those people (laughs) let's just get rid of them right now so there's gonna be a lot of um plot induced uh amnesia that will be played off like oh well i didn't care what was going on there until i saw this image and then you know the things will kick into which in a way kind of makes sense because wasn't the killing of that um or like the genocide of that like station wasn't that like co-op like underneath like it wasn't mm-hmm. a planned thing like that guy did it and then everyone found out about it afterwards it was like what the fuck why did he do that 
Right. Yeah. That so that, that, that's that what happened in the, the prologue. Yeah. So then I could I could believe that like you know a shit ton of other people just don't know about it, especially their children. Right. And so like of course it's gonna be a picture of that Gundam goes out into the universe once someone's like oh this bitch beat me up and yeah they're like oh it's this thing blah blah blah. So yeah. the one the one other influence that I noticed was also from Unicorn Gundam. Um, oh. Because I would actually argue that the setup for this plot is very, with respect to Suleta and Ariel Gundam being connected in yeah. that way, and that and that the the machine kind of can take over or augments the abilities. That's that's essentially the plot of Unicorn Gundam and what the Unicorn Gundam is to Banajer. Like that's the relationship between pilot and machine. There's one part about that I don't like, and I didn't like it in Unicorn either, which is that. It, no matter how m- much stuff you put the main character through in stories like that, you kind of establish up front that they're not the missing piece to make, like, like they're not an ace pilot. The cool part about the a lot of the Gundam series main characters is that they're always portrayed as either professionals, geniuses, or extremely skilled as a result of life experience, and the machine is just an extension of them. In Unicorn, to uh, some degree, because they had, like, new type stuff, so you could always, like, get over and say, oh, he's a powerful new type, whatever. But in this one, I just don't necessarily love the idea that the main character isn't presented as an ace pilot. I I don't hate it, right? But, like, she's clearly relying on the system to do most of the work there, Mm. and her connection with it is unique. But I much prefer, if they're going to do the story that they want to tell and have like the the Gundam stuff be attached to it for people like me to get it to get excited why can't she just be a good pilot that's it i'm not throwing that out there for like controversy it's just I, she could easily just be a Muro Ray and then do all of the story stuff that they want to do and you know whatever themes they want to hit outside of the suit but in the suit i kind of like my ace pilots to be ace pilots like mikazuki is fucking awesome right he's got a he's barbados is an awesome unit yeah no doubt but they go either way to make it clear that mikazuki is a fucking animal and whenever he gets in that cockpit you are ready for some hot shit to go down that you credit to him as a character that's all i want from all my pilots that's it you know but if they don't want to go down that road immediately fine i would just like maybe uh, she'll have to earn it That'll be yeah, and maybe I just want I just want Suleta to get that shine as a, another in a long line of sick ass Gundam pilots, and not just be like the girl Gundam pilot with the magical robot stuff that makes her overpowered. Because then the accomplishments of like what she's gonna have to go through, the trials, you know, of all these other people gunning for the top, don't feel as earned, earned. as they could. Yeah, and that's a choice. So that's all. I'm just gonna leave it there. That's a choice. Yeah. Agreed. I just really like that they have the duels because yeah, I kept no, wondering, I think it's cool. The, I kept yep. wondering, oh, how are they going to get the like the build fighters and the build diver people? Like, the monster of the week. Yeah, this is it. This is how you do it. Like perfect integration. I mean, we had it with G Gundam, but even so, like the that I feel like you know the recency bias. Like people mm-hmm. are looking for that. They're gonna be looking for that in this series, and it's there, like right out the gate. And also, wow, she fucked that nigga's suit up. 
My goodness. Oh, my goodness. I love the bits. I loved how the bits came out immediately. That shit's mad unfair, though. She did an all-range attack on this nigga on day one. Like, come on. To be honest, I thought she was going to make the bits into, like, a big-ass sword and just chunk the nigga. But she did it. She just sliced and diced the shit up. Like, Mm -hmm. I... I loved everything about it. No, it's super it was, cool. So if I say things that sound so far, yeah, if I say things that sound negative, I'm not saying it like I didn't enjoy what I watched. I'm just pointing out that there are other ways to achieve things, and in my personal taste, I just like to see the main character be the driver of action. I don't like it when that's passed off to the magical device at all. I'd prefer that it just not be the case. Um, the at a sidebar to all of that is that in a lot of those other shows like a G Gundam like build fighters and so on um, they work well because the staging of the action is very simple whether it's a, a game or a duel or something else like it's a very easy to easy formula to work with the only question I have is so we've established now in episode one that uh, Mirene is now married or engaged to Suleta because Suleta won this wacky ass duel where they changed uh, combatants like three times. Yes. In the duel, and then she says at the end, "Well, that's just the cus- That's just the way the custom at the school works." But they never established what the stakes were going into it because uh, whatever his name is, Gelt or whatever. He, he all he said was if i win you leave the school yeah. that was the only thing that they established was you know up for grabs and so she was more like fighting for honor and you know to put this guy in his place then miharine jumps in and is like actually i'm stealing your suit and i'm just gonna fight you because reasons they never said like if i win i'm not married to you or I'm not engaged to you anymore never said that okay but the dude's like, all right, yeah, yeah, switch, switch combatants is cool. Then she basically loses. And then Soleta is given a motorcycle and she rides into the fight. And he just stands there while she gets into the machine, has a long monologue, and then goes and fights him and then presses the win button and wins. So then they say, well, now the engagement is off because Miride's ownership has been transferred to Suleta. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Does that mean now going forward that the stakes for every single duel is, is that Miarine. whoever wins is is now engaged to Miarine? Yeah. I don't know if I love that idea. <laughs> like That's what I'm getting from it. The fact, because she said, what, she's the holder? So if, if you yes. beat the holder, you become the holder. I feel like this right. has way more to do with who Miorine's parents are. Exactly. Like, because it's it's a political marriage. Like, she is an item. She's not a person in this so, universe. So, so did Delit make Gundam High School as a way to get people to duel to marry his daughter from inside his own company? If that's the case, and I'm not saying that that is, like, a horrible uh storyline concept it's stupid but it's the kind of stupid that like you need for stories like this but if that is the case why would they just allow random people to join the high school and participate in the duels if that's just part of the rules that are there 
Well, along I, the stupid line, they're probably just fucking arrogant as fuck because they're like, no one right. else has technology. No one has access to, te- to the technology that the people that we do think will be able to get her do have access to. So that's probably where that's coming from. Sure. Which is, so Suleta's going to shake all the shit up. I'm going to leave all of my canon questions at that. I'm just, the only other thing I will say has nothing to do with like the actual event of the show. From just a writing point of view, one thing that I, I always am critical of is when you set up a scenario where the main character must win every single confrontation that they have. Otherwise, the story cracks apart. It would. I hope that they're able to introduce some other mechanisms so that there can be real tension about Suleta not necessarily needing to overcome, that the story can continue if she I were to there lose. Is, I think she is going to lose because I think that thing that she said about like what her mom taught her is that like, you know, taking one step back, taking two steps forward and things like that. And like, you know, there's like learning and loss. I feel like mm-hmm. she's definitely going to lose because she's going to have to learn how to accept loss. And then that's just going to be the dual part. And then I'm pretty sure the series is going to skyrocket outside of the school. Into, yeah, I presume that like that there's a there's like all things, you know, there's yeah. a hard cutoff where we jump ahead into the future and then it's like the real fight, whatever yeah. the revolution is going to happen. But I'm just pointing that out from like a narrative writing point of view, where if your hero, if the, if the, if, this is like also commercial art too. So commercial art, you want to deliver what the audience wants. There's certain feelings that you want to push onto them and you want to give it to them in a way that they can repetitively enjoy the same thing over and over again. So there's that that need to do stuff like that. And then there's like the storytelling part where I would like there to be cases where the 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 stakes for winning and losing are either different or lower. So we don't we're not constantly playing hot potato with Mia Rene's character. It would be nice if like they could get themselves out of this particular um, like lockstep that these two characters have to be in together so that both of them can do things, achieve things and fail at things without the fundamental core of the plot having to like colossally shift one way or the other. Like it's good for episode one, the the surprise of like, okay, I'm now your, your bride. Okay. Cool. We're good. That's awesome. I don't need that tension again until we get like a a very good villain whose motivations align with needing, you know, maybe access to the company or whatever being mm-hmm. the holder provides. Between then and now, we just need to separate those two uh I don't know, th- that stake from those characters a little bit. If they don't do it, I'm not going to be mad. I'm not going to be like these Writers, they don't know what they're doing. No, it's just it would open up room to do a lot more, especially if Suleta's character is not a genius pilot. If she's just a girl who is good at some things, but you know has to learn, then it would be nice if she could lose, and then you could have real tension. Is she going to win? Rather than oh, she has to win, otherwise the plot breaks. You know that's usually a bad sign. If that's why you can't have any variety in what happens. So I've said my piece about that. We'll, we'll, we'll check back in, you know, on that bit, maybe halfway through the season and see what they've done. Okay. Um, I watched reincarnated as a sword. Enjoyed the first episode. Definitely not the like highest budget thing. The Bob, a decent use of CG. I actually like how they like interspersed the CG with the sword. 
But I just really enjoy the show because they it's just the MMORPG aspects of it. Um, the majority of the episode had nothing to do with the lolly girl. It was primarily him um, learning about the systems that govern the world. And, you know, like he can be equipped by people. And how does the skill level up system work? Is he able to combine skills? How do you level up skills, et cetera, et cetera? Um, how are monsters defeated? Are you able to absorb things from monsters? Things like that. Um, and then you have the very end where, you know, they link up and things happen. And at one point I thought they were going to do uh, the the forced downgrade thing where he became so powerful on his own that through an, an inexperienced person equipping him, it would dull down all his powers. But that didn't happen, really. She basically was able to equip his own things. But then they have an overarching goal where there are different races in the world that can evolve. And he himself has evolved as a sword several times before he even met the girl. But for some particular reason, her race can't evolve. Mm. So that's kind of like the primary plot point of the story is he says, I'm going to teach you how to fight and we're going to find and I'm going to help you be the first person of your race to evolve. So I'm like, okay, great. You establish it. We're going on. And also, it's really fucking gory. Like, the oh. within the first three minutes, like, someone beamed the little girl in the back of the head with a big-ass rock, and she fell down in a pool of blood. So I'm just like, oh, okay. okay. Okay, so they're not really going to shy away. And then when the climax moment of the episode happened with a, two, a two-headed bear, like, they didn't shy away. Like, niggas were getting torn in half. They animated everything. Like, niggas was getting stomped out by the claws. Body sliced in three. I'm like, okay, so this is what we're going to do. But that's juxtaposed with, like, the, the the comedy that the sword gives off. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give this. A, I will be back. I will be back. I don't know if I'll be back every week, but I will be back. Because it, it was interesting. It wasn't just a, like, oh, this is just fucking more isekai trash. I'm just like, no. Like, you established stuff. Like, the two characters. You establish what are the problems and what are they trying to solve. We have meaning for the journey. Let's see where it fucking goes. So, yeah. I, I, I'll watch it again. Um, what else did I watch? I also watched um, The Villainess Tames, The Demon Lord. Uh, really fucking enjoyed the shit. Oh, my God. I just got to say that I think the show does a really good job with... Um, characterizing its characters like first of all it's not a high budget show either it's very generic looking in certain places but then also they you can tell the frames where they put the money in like you can tell like oh the romance scene or like oh when she makes a certain face i'm like okay yeah you guys like really cared about this part but my favorite thing is that the girl who got reincarnated she recognizes when she gets reincarnated and she recognizes the moment that she's in and it was one of those moments where you know when someone's trying to, like, they do something to rile you up and uh, you are, you would be well within your rights to be riled up, but if you gave them the response <clears throat> that they wanted, you look like the villain no matter what. Mm-hmm. And the the whole thing started with her basically being like, I'm not going to give you what you want. And that pissed off the, the, the do-good prince to infinity. And so in the end, it, it automatically swapped the two where she came in and she's the villain in this world, but because of what she did, the prince is so fucking mad that he's turning into the villain himself. It's great. It's like, I I love it. The demon lord stuff, you know, it's funny. The little demon minions, it's funny. You know, different storylines catapult things, but 
But I think a lot of it is just like the prince feels jilted and he feels pissed and he's actively fucking her over. Like he's actively going out. He's firing her friends from their jobs. He's like um, bankrupting her companies and shit like that that her family built up. Her family does not give a fuck about her because she's the only woman to be born to the family. All of it, she has three older brothers that the family put all the resources into. So I'm like, uh, all of this makes sense. Like it makes sense why these people are mad. It makes sense why the prince is mad because even though we didn't see the series beforehand, up until the point where the girl got reincarnated into the body, the girl was the villain. So she did do all the fucked up shit to the heroine. So it's very easy to basically be like, I understand why, because you feel like, you know, you gotta get back at this bitch because like she really treated the girl so wrong and other people wrong. But then also the fact that from that time where she gracefully bowed out and was like, cool, you don't want to marry me anymore? I'm out of here. She didn't do anything else. And she hasn't done anything else, but you are dead set on continually villainizing her no matter what happens. Even if she's not even doing anything, he's making up situations to like point the blame on her. So I I'm loving it. And of course, like the demon Lord has powers and things like that. And he's not like malicious with it, but the comedy, the romanticism... The, the drama, it all, it all flows very well. It's pretty simple. It's straightforward and it's engaging. And that's kind of really all I could ask for. Like I wasn't really expecting like an off the wall, um, iconic romance, drama, um, rom-com. I was expecting oh, cool. a rom-com and that's what they're giving. So I, awesome. I enjoyed it. First two episodes, they were great. Um, what else was there? I feel like I watched something else. Uh, or did much else come out? What's oh, I watched the final episode of Made in Abyss. I was I mean, gonna yeah. ask you about that one. Well, the yeah. double episode. The yeah. Double, yeah, the double episode. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, <laughs> I for for a minute I was like, oh, okay, you know, like things are happening. We didn't get any we didn't get any explanation on what was going on in Fapita's eyes. I was like, we're just not but of course Fapita doesn't even know what's going on in her eyes. No, so I'm she like, don't know. whatever. So who's there to say? Yeah. So I was like, hey, yeah, y'all ain't gonna figure that shit out. But um, what's him call it? The like the village, the village, the sage dude. He set up so much shit in his Wazukan. like party, Wazukan, where he was yeah. just like, yeah. He was like, the deeper you go, the more you're gonna have to learn how to like enjoy your happiness, but also accept your despair because there is despair down there. Like it, you are walking into the pits of despair, and I'm not, I'm not just talking about darkness. So I'm just like, well. You didn't, you didn't set that shit up. It's just, of course, it's not going to get any better. But I'm just like, God damn. The whole time I wanted Fapita to join the crew, she did join the crew. I was like, okay, great. This is the one thing I wanted from the season. So we got that. But I foolishly thought, I was like, wow. We've made it through so much stuff. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, no one's gotten hurt yet. I really was. And I was so afraid the whole time of Rico mm -hmm. getting fucking hurt or deformed or something like that. And the plot was like, nah, nah, she she has plot armor to an extent. Like she Well, she's the she, heroine. She's the heroine. And she also you gotta think before you go further, you have to think about if you disfigure Rico, that's permanent. So that has to yeah. mark a real fundamental Turn. change in that character. Whatever yeah. that is. Whatever you know what I'm saying? Cause her experience so far, it's not that she's been untouched. It's that even in this episode at the end, when she's asked like you know, is it worth it to go through all of this to get to the bottom and yeah. find out all the answers that you want? She don't hesitate. No. She's like, yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. And until that changes, I don't, I think 
the physical part of the cost of going down will not be borne by her because yeah. everyone else who's been who's had a physical change it also marks a big change in their own view of the world and life and being alive and being in the abyss like it was one thing and then event happens and then it's something very very different and i don't think even she, that rico's character i, I don't want to say like it can't happen because i don't know but like i would suspect that any change that happens would be at the end yeah Where, it would be at the very yeah so but i don't know that that well yeah i feel like they're probably even nowhere near the end anyways right now no but, yeah. <laughs> no they're not <laughs> but that i was just like oh you know things are going fine this is happening blah 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 blah, blah. And then Vueco gets to those fucking steps. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And then they show a bloodied, disfigured foot. And I'm like, oh, the curse. The curse is inside the fucking village. And then what do they show? A big-ass hole in the wall. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, the curse is in there. I was like, we can't see it because Nanachi's not there. But the curse is in there. And then they proceed to have this bitch melt. Like, eyeball falling out blood pooling da, 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 da. and so then you have her old friend come and throw her down the stairs i was just like but you could you have just killed her ass with that you yeah. know where her bones are at and then the friend of course because the village is disappearing just yep. disappears into nothingness which in the end i kind of was i was like wow like all that shit that rico was like oh yeah we're gonna find a way to make sure that you guys can continue the journey and blah blah blah, blah. and it was like, no, this is it. Like, this is it. They all had to pay in some form or fashion. And they and, all knew that. And they knew that. They they got an ex- they got basically an extended lease on life in the mm-hmm. village. Where um, they kind of got to live in a way that was... I don't want to say, like, like, the hedonism and the sort of gluttony and the very basic... Um, the, 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 like, the basic way in which they had drawn themselves down to just their most extreme desires Mm -hmm. is the sort of thing that only exists in a dream which is kind of what the village always was yeah so the yeah so yeah and i i guess maybe my like one thing that i was missing out on was like some kind of communication of finality from ear mui and But I also think that her not them not getting that was necessary for Fapata's development. Yes. Like Fapata needed to figure it out herself. She didn't need Eater Mui to basically be like, okay, well, I only gave birth to you for this. So girl, like, what you gonna do now? Because that probably would have made shit worse. It was also her... that's 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 how it works in real life. You know? Yeah. You don't get the finality <laughs> a lot of the time. No, even know. if someone told you, like, you know, you could have you could have had a great childhood, a great family. And your parents or your mother could have told you, we always wanted you and this is what we always dreamed for you and it was always part of the plan. But the fact of the matter is that those are just words. Like, no yeah. one really has no. the answer to that stuff. Even your own yeah. parents have the answer why you're here, what you're here to do. Anything they tell you about that is could be kind or cruel. It could be selfish. It could be magnanimous. It could be all these kind of things, but it ain't real. It's just the reality that yeah. you create and they create and everybody creates together. Because I know a lot of kids who feel like their purpose of life is to try to fulfill a bunch of shit their parents didn't do 
and that certainly ain't the reason to be alive. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I enjoyed that. Um, so, yeah, Vueco getting out of it unscathed. I was just like, I should have known this was coming. I should have known that <laughs> your ass, of all people, was up for the chop block. Because I was like, you're still the only... She was right. She was the only human. She was mm-hmm. the only human left. So, of course, she get she got... She got mangled. She got she got mangled. I mean, it was what it was. I did expect Nanachi to have a little bit of a bigger role after they did that whole scene where he showed up with Bailoff and things like that. But he didn't. He kind of was still like, you know, the minds of the thing where like we went inside his head and, you know, went through the his processing of the events in his head. But that was kind of it. So I was kind of just like, okay, well, that is what it is. But now the the team has two viable um fighters. So, mm-hmm. I feel like that may change things, and also it may not do nothing once they get to the next level, and they're just like, "Bitch, we still asked out. <laughs> like, we are barely making it. Oh my god." Um, I like that Fapata is the connection to Prushka, and also that like clearly Prushka's soul and being is the flute, is yeah. inside of the flute, which makes me go back and think like, well, Rico still has her mom's flute. So who the fuck soul or whatever is in that flute and uh, what's going to happen? Question. What's going to happen when Fapata's like, wait, bitch, you got another flute over here. And this nigga is like screaming. <laughs> like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, yeah. like, what, like, what's going on? Like, I, there's so many options question. that have been opened up due to Fapata's addition, um, which, which is great. I, if they're going to get, if from what it looks like so far, someone's getting added to the party every layer now. So, yeah. which I feel like is necessary because, I mean, Rico and Ray, they couldn't really do that much going the way that they were going anyways. And then it makes me wonder also, even with like Bondrude's flute, it's like, is is the soul, like, is there is there a soul in that flute anymore? Because I feel like it has oh. to be because it still operates. It still operates the mechanism. So what it, I, well, we, you know what? That's one of the things about the show though. We never will know a whole bunch of shit. There are a whole bunch of relics on the levels above them that they know nothing about. And they probably never will know anything about. So, it is what it is. All in all, great fucking second season. Um, wasn't as devastating as the Bondrude arc to me personally. Well, that's because um, all the bad stuff happened to characters that we kind of knew bad stuff was going to happen to. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, whether you, I don't, I mean, it, I don't know what anyone's expectations were going to the village, but they pretty much set up that there's a reckoning coming. The storms are coming. Yeah. To these motherfuckers. And it's just a question is like, what is it? How does it play out? And, and does anybody, right. Does anybody make it? Whereas like when Bondru, and I think I said this when we were talking about the movie, which is that, Bondrude is the very first time that there's a there's a villain whose role is to literally just be the villain but is not going to get like come up and it's no. not a it's not like oh we triumphed over Bondrude so that means everything he did is fixed again. That nigga He's was just... right there when they went down. He was like, "Okay, so you got that body, but yeah. I'm still over here and you didn't find yeah. the relic." So you can destroy the relic. Like, nope. I'm still here. Nope. I'm still here. We're going to do about it. Let's do one of these. Like, hey, I'll yeah. see y'all later. And also, literally, he might actually see them later. Like, that's what I'm afraid of. He is, he is also, if I, I mean, if you really want to be real about it, he's the first actual evil person that 
Rico and Reg run into, who's just like, he, he's just, he doesn't care. It's not like yeah. mustache twirling either. He's like, I got my own shit that I'm doing. I'm not a good person. I'm going to show you some horrible ass shit. Yeah, he's I'm chaotic shit... evil. <clears throat> right. I'm going to show you some shit that's so horrible. But the reason why I'm doing it is because. Progress. It... Yeah, progress. I'm just doing it. And uh, by the way, you, you all only beat one body and you all can get the fuck out. Like I'm, I'm following. I'm like, I'm watching y'all forever now, <laughs> but this isn't, it's not personal. It's just like, keep going. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah. You're one. And you're so, one little yeah, and that's wheel. the first. Yeah. And you don't realize that it's going to go where it goes by the end. You just, you, you're just thinking like, okay, you know, I've, I, I'm dangerously genre savvy. Here's the three ways this works out. Uh, Rico makes a friend, then the friend gets killed, and then she beats up Bondrude and wins. Right? And then we move on. Or maybe we get a new companion, you know, this person, finally another human being, Bondrude loses, and that's all good. What probably wasn't on the menu was Rico's friend gets turned into a fucking cartridge <laughs> with brains leaking out of it, or whatever, in a horrible experiment. Reg loses an arm, and then we kind of like sort of beat the boss but then don't and then he's like all right i'm i've learned enough you go and go about your business <laughs> <laughs> and you all gotta live with the horrible shit i just showed you like reg getting dis dismembered and still having the arm just yeah yeah <laughs> you're right this is a lot more straightforward where it's a tragedy going in you're like yeah. oh, okay this is this is some pretty pretty i won't say i've used the word basic too much but uh, this is this is a very understandable story structure with a beginning, middle, and an end. The Revenger. Who, the only thing, the only twist I think for me was that we got uh, Faputa as like a like a character character, like going forward, yeah, rather than just being like a device to get vengeance on the village. And it all kind of ties itself up neatly at the end. Maybe they all take each other out, or Reg learns a valuable lesson about family, and then they keep moving. Um, so it was a, uh, you know, I I think I said at the time, Bondrude and that whole, um, his arc, it's small. It's not particularly long. I think it is the most, like, gut punchy part of the series. Mm. Even though there's like worse things that happen to people, or you know, further on. Yeah. Oh well, you know. We'll have probably, what, in the three or four years before we even get any of that worse stuff. So that'll be enough time to recuperate and, you know. I mean, I really, I'm, I'm not even really healing from anything in this arc. I mean, I just, I expect the things to happen. They happened. I have questions. We got some answers. And, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, we'll see what happens. But great season. Really enjoyed it. And... Uh, Kevin Pinkin, oh my god, fuck you, man. Like, some of the times when those songs came in, I was like, holy shit. Like, and it's the it's the vocal pieces in particular, mm -hmm. where I'm just like, when the vocal the vocal tracks come in, I'm like, oh, it's going to get bad. Here we fucking go. And I think there was what? There was like one new vocal track that I heard, I think, during the finale. And I was like, well, this is just, it just perfect. It was just perfect. And luckily, we're getting more of him in Tower of God Season 2. So I'm very much so looking to what he's going to add on to that soundtrack. 
Um, which, I mean, he could use the, the what he's already done so far for the series, but whatever he has to add, I'm just like, yes, please. Thank you so much. But yeah, I think that's uh-huh. all. That's all I watched. I didn't watch the ending of Don Machi, but apparently it's a split core season, so... It's not really an ending. I'm so yeah. sick of this shit. I'm like, I'm a non. I'm not caught up, so I don't have really. I have nothing to add to whatever. I that mean, might nigga, be. Apparently, niggas got mangled at the end, so I'm definitely I'm good. I'm gonna catch up because, like, good. it it is it's sticking true to the 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 core of the series, the dungeon shit going down in the dungeon. So mm-hmm. shit went down apparently, and niggas was just like, yo, what the blood? So I'm, I I will be catching up to it, but. I didn't catch up like you know yet but we'll see i watched another episode or two of black summoner and that was interesting i actually enjoyed when he was like um fighting the the three like murderers or whatever mm-hmm. before he fought the skull knight and then the, the skull knight actually had like a story of its own where it was like oh you know i'm living for vengeance like i i First of all, I'm going to test you. But second of all, like, I won't go with you unless, like, you help me get revenge on these elves. And I'm like, oh, this is actually not, not bad. It's not bad. But also I... what you were talking about with the CG and during the fight scene, I was like, oh, this is kind of awkward. Well, not with, yeah, with he and the Skull Knight, I was like, this is kind of weird to look yes. at. Like, yes, yes. I, but they were but they were trying something. They were. It, like, it didn't look it didn't look like bad bad. But I was kind of just like it seemed as though the main character he was moving too slow in the CG, yes. while yes. the Skull Knight's animation seemed way more like dynamic and like believable. But I feel like the slowness was palpable on the Skull Knight because he had all that armor and shit, while the MC basically just still had the same robe, the little like stick and shit like that. So. I, I definitely see where you're coming from, where it was it's jarring for a moment. I was like, I don't I don't know if I like this. Like things are happening. That's exactly my reaction. It was the same way. Yeah. I, I looked at it and I'm like, I don't I don't know. I not this isn't good. So you start there. Yeah. But then you start thinking about okay, well, creatively, what are they trying to do here? Because sometimes shows will just throw in CG because it's cheap and they need to save money. So it's more like, okay, we're going to fill the screen with CGI things because it's either doing it that way for X dollars or having it hand-drawn for a lot more dollars. And we just can't afford that. So this is is what you're going to get to communicate the idea of what's going on. Then there's times when, like, you still need to save some money, but, like, somebody there, like a a director, is like... uh, Let's experiment. Yeah, they're like, okay, I've got a vision for how to do this and with cg or do something with cgi and then the implementation of it is hit or miss depending on what their experience is or how hard what they were trying to do was and i'm usually way more accepting of the second case even if, if it's shit like in the first case i get it it's just money so i just ignore it most yeah. of the time but in the second case if someone's just trying something and it doesn't work. I'm usually not gonna like beat up on it. Yeah. Be like, oh, it's fucking garbage. It's trash. It's like, no, this was someone trying to do something creative, and either they didn't have the skill yet to do it, or the concept was flawed. But at least they tried to make something out of it. And I felt like the first time they used the CGI in that that night, the the skull night fight, I was like, okay, 
I'll, I'll give them a pass, but you could tell they were trying to get certain types of scenes that you would see in like action movies or, yes. like, or in in other bigger budget affairs where like the camera is tracking around the main character as he's running in and he's going for a big slice and then they'll cut to another view that, that would otherwise be difficult to hand animate. Other, so I'm like, okay, they they don't have the skills to pull off what they're trying to do here. But they're but trying. Like, they, yeah, but like if, if it's a choice between this and probably something a lot worse of like, you know, uh, still images of him fighting the Skull Knight with like, you know, some some dialogue over the back of it and or on, on top of it. Or him standing oh. and doing a shit ton of dialogue mid-fight. Yeah, yeah. like if, if those are my options, I'd much rather go for like try and fail at the other stuff and it, and I, I watch a couple more episodes and they it does get they get a little more competent at what they try to do with the cgi and it's not as doesn't take up like like 10 minutes in an episode so i don't know anything about how the series wound up being but it kind of felt like if they had just combined everything they were doing here with maybe some of the better world building or power system building in a couple of the other sort of isekai shows that they had running could either be um uh reincarnated as a sage of the second class or my personal ugh, favorite <laughs> uh harem <laughs> labyrinth of another world if they've taken maybe the world development and the systems from that they could have really had a strong show that i would want to go back to as it stood it was like heavy in areas i didn't care about and light in areas i would have cared more about and it very quickly became like a harem thing after like episode five or six so i was like okay that's for somebody else it's not for me yeah yeah that i think that's all i watched so on to the big one what did you finally watch oh man the masses want to know (sighs) oh god (laughs) I watched me some Mishoku Tensei. Loose I've been talking about it off and on. Um, then I've been catching up episode by episode here and there. Uh, about, a, about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, I just marathoned what I was missing, which wound up being about like a season and some change in a day. And I'm happy that I kind of watched it back to back. And it puts a lot of things in perspective. So I wanted to like give Jordan a shout out just for keeping... Uh, me aware of sort of what the original reactions were as well as the fact that it kind of predated a lot of other similar uh, light novels that are in that. Yeah. I mean, Isekai has been around forever, but there's like a certain collection of Isekai ideas that were kind of first assembled in one place um, in Mushoku Tensei. So the first is the idea that the main character is like a schlubby loser and like sometimes they're neat sometimes they're like a whatever i guess this guy was both a neat and a pervert but also um was a was a bullied individual who had a who had a lot of trauma so there's a lot of like you know and i don't need to go into the other shows that have come since uh the light novel was written that kind of take that same structure uh also like the um somewhat tabletop inspired um power system and world building i like the fact that it's not overtly gamified that sort of came after as a mm. result of i want to say like you know there were other obviously other series but like the excel world and sao line, uh, timeline of content kind of affected a lot of other 
series in that way. They don't really have that. So in a lot of ways, when you, when I'm watching it, it felt like a throwback to maybe the prototype of some other concepts that have since been run into the ground. And that's because even though it's currently being produced, it's a lot older than stuff. So that that's like preamble. I very much enjoyed it. I may have enjoyed um, parts of it more having foreknowledge of like the controversy around them. I think one of the big ones is that you kind of have to accept it or not is that Rudy yeah. is, is a pervert. Yeah. If you don't accept that and you don't accept that general vibe in the show, because um, it can be jarring in some cases if you're not prepared for it, I fully understand if your reaction to Mushoku Tensei is less than favorable on that aspect. Personally, I didn't care. It did not bother me in any meaningful way. In some ways, I think it it humanized some otherwise like rote character archetypes, especially his dad, um, because the absurdity of some of the conversations that he was having with his own son just on their face was silly. And so adding that aspect of him being a womanizer, but not just having it played for laughs, having it have both real material consequences to the story that are important. And then also um, knowing when it can be a joke and when it needs to be addressed in a very serious way added way more than it took from the story. So this, this, so an example might be later on in the second season, when we meet the father after the uh, teleportation disaster and you sort of still see him in a way up to his old, you know his old uh tricks surrounding himself with like beautiful women and sort of you know being not quite a a lech but at least like it's clear that's why he picked some of these people up but then recasting it so like if he's behaving that way but he's shabbier and he's sort of like the fire's gone out of him and he looks pitiful and pathetic and he's dealing with that and then rudy is dealing with that and then the whole cast is dealing with that aspect. It takes something that would otherwise just be like a punchline and makes it useful for storytelling and for character development, for everybody's character development. It sounds like a silly thing to say because it's like, oh, the perversion was actually good for the plot. But like, in reality, I think it's the handling of ideas like that show why this series was as influential as it was because you can see so many other similar stories or stories that were influenced by it picking up on that dynamic but then instead of understanding either how to weave that back into a story in a natural way that's satisfying they just amp it up to 11 and sort of like that's the joke Uh haha it's that this is it's the joke but it was not actually a joke the joke in mushoku yeah it wasn't I think and... that the perviness and stuff is integral to Rudy because, like, Rudy's supposed to be a shitty person. Like, we're supposed to be seeing his journey of, like, realization that he's a shitty person. And that's a key part of it. So Yeah. And I, I, not only is it a key part of it, it's one of those things where if you take it away, I don't think the story gets better. I don't think a lot of the... Because that's always my test. No. My test is... It, no matter what I feel about like a story or a uh, proposition 
uh, of the way the, the universe is going to work or a certain plot development, whether it's handled well or not in the, you know, in whatever I'm consuming, if I take that out, just remove it with a scalpel, like just cut off all the loose ends and take it out. How much do I lose from that experience or from the story? Or conversely, like, do a, does it make it better? If we just removed all the, if let's say you took out a whole character, I does think, that make the? I think ahead. it would make it definitely a different story, um, but probably in a much like more cold and darker way because Rudy's extremely selfish. Right. So if he doesn't have like the pervertedness um, within his character, a lot of like the moments where he does things for female characters or in female characters' best interest, they disappear. Yeah. Like they completely disappear. And those are some of the most pivotal things that or pivotal decisions that he makes in the series. And it's honestly where he's left off at at the end of this shit, where it's just like you're you're like you and your attraction and your horniness and you're like how far are you willing to go are part right. of the reasons why you are hurt in this yes. moment. So And it's and it's also pretty complicated because this is sort of goes to another thing that I appreciate about the the series. Uh, as it's written both in the light novel as well as the anime the world building is very 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 strong and it is paced properly so that the world expands along with the needs of all of the characters in it to tell whatever their individual story Mm -hmm. is you can see different extremes of this in i would call like derivative work so you can see the upside and downside so on one end of the extreme um you can have stories where you don't invest a lot in the world building at all because the hook of the story is really the character interaction. And normally if that's very strong, then you can paper over details about how does this world function? Who are the prime movers? Why are things the way that they are? What is the history of a place and how does that history inform current events, cultures, languages, blah, 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 all that stuff. It's not always necessary for that to be deep, but because doing the, character development stuff is actually really hard it's not an easy thing to write characters that are a charismatic b connect with an audience c have natural chemistry both in the story and just as a you know if you had two actors who were method acting and you stuck them in a room you know how good would those actors have to be to extract interesting interactions out of them right it's hard to fucking do all that stuff so a lot of times like world building in a uh whether it's fantasy or not winds up being really important for example let's just leave anime for a minute and uh look at like television shows even television shows that you wouldn't think have a lot of like uh need for world building take something like seinfeld right ran for about 10 or 12 years known for being this great comedy launched a lot of careers of funny people but how much of seinfeld functions because we already know quite a bit about new york city right Mm. obviously person who grew up in new york might understand a lot of the the framing and the comedy but 99 percent i won't say 99 percent a large fraction of its audience has never stepped foot in new york city doesn't know anything about new york city in the 90s doesn't know anything about the culture doesn't know anything about anything they have to learn all of that through the show and the show is informed by all of those assumptions about the place if you take that away, if you say, well, you know, Seinfeld's with funny people, it's, it could, you could put it anywhere. The answer is no, you could not. Because if you remove it, you lose so much like depth to the yeah. comedy. So imagine having to 
do the same job, but without the crutch of what we would understand to be normal life in our reality. That's what fantasies of any yeah. kind have to do is that they've got to rebuild all of that um, context. And so if you do it all at the beginning, like, you know, they give you that, that intro crawl where they'll tell you something about, oh, in this world, there are kings and queens and goblins and magic and da, da, da. A lot of times they're just using the authors, the writers are using shorthand to other things that you, the audience, already know about from other series to fill in blanks that they're never going to write themselves. They're never going to describe those things. You got to do it in your own head. And then if the characters are not interesting or the there's some failure at some other part of the story, the fact that there is no deep, continuous world building to fall back on means that the show falls apart you can point to any number of shows you know even this season i would i would lump basically every one of the isekai uh adaptations the new ones that we got pretty much into that case as like the there's no world building or no serious world building and if they're boring then you're like ah, i don't really there's nothing else i want to know about this place on the other hand there are some series where like the world building is aggressive and overwhelming and they give you a lot of it except there's nothing interesting happening in the story to make you even care about the setting and everything else that's in it. So Mushoku Tensei, what it does is that through the first six episodes, you are confined essentially to the life and rules of one family. Yeah. You don't even get what's going on in the village. The most the, that that setting is giving you is that maybe there's some like, there's a lot of farming, it's the middle of nowhere, some bullies, we never meet them again after like the episode where we are introduced to Silphet, and then people come in from the outside, culminating in Rudius getting taken away uh, by, what's that cat lady? Ghislaine. Yeah, Ghislaine. Uh, yeah, 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 Ghislaine, yeah, who's awesome. Um, and at that moment, the audience is blindsided by that because you've gotten so comfortable in this place with these characters and these dynamics. And then literally somebody shows up out of nowhere, grabs the main character, knocks him out, puts him in a in a, a, a cart, and the next time we're introduced to the world, we are given so much more context. We learn, okay, why was he living out there? In the Who is his family? his family? Right. Who is his family? What are the politics inside of that family that have sort of uh, led him to be in this situation that he's in right now? So now you've gone from a small town, like, Ru like Rudy, the, the real character, to this brand new place full of new things that you don't know anything about and you and he has to learn them and the audience has to learn them very quickly because without knowing that knowledge he won't be able to overcome his next trial which turns out to be Eris who I really hated and on purpose that's what they wanted uh they wanted her character to be abrasive and shitty um all the way through the first season but it also meant that like you, the audience, came to turn around on her at the same pace that Rudy did. A lot of other series, what they do is that they give you the main character who's like a sympathetic person, and then they introduce you to the Sundere hot girl who you just want to fuck, and she's developed as a shitty person all the way. Like, she's where she's like at a, you know, if there's nine stages of growth, uh, or ten stages of growth, she's at stage nine when you meet her. Yeah. And you know, and then the 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 triumph is just that by the end of things, she likes the main character and therefore she likes you as the audience insert into the main character. 
by the end of season one, I mean, Eris has kind of like come around to being like nicer to Rudy, but she's still just a shitty person. Spoiled brat. Spoiled brat, shitty person. It takes almost all of season two where we learn so much about her motivations. She is independently put through all kinds of horrible, horrible, horrible life experiences. Horrible ones, right? And by the time you get to the events at the end, where she cuts off her hair, she fucks Rudy, then like dips on him. She's introduced to the fact that her whole family is dead. Every time the world expands, the characters expand, they happen at the moment that our main cast also is thrust into a unfathomable situation they're not prepared for. It doesn't yeah. happen before, or it didn't happen before, it didn't happen after, it happens at the same time. So that's the thing at the end of the day that I took away from Mishoku Tensei is that um, it it is a very strong lesson in how to how to keep everything, every detail about a story in sync with all the other details, such that you never go too far ahead and you're never lagging too far behind. The characters develop at the correct pace to keep track of where the story needs to be. Revelations that are you can see coming a mile away are held until the appropriate time wherein the pace not pace the the uh uh impactfulness that they're going to have on the story is maximized and then we have the characters go through all the things that the audience would go through at you know when they or rather the audience would expect to go through so if rudy is kind of stuck in a hole the audience is stuck in a hole if rudy is like filled with like uh passion about you know expanding the, the world that he understands and acts and the audience is given the cues to be at the same place and i like where the last of the end of the season winds up because i heard some people complain oh well it's like they reset everything and it's like right back to the beginning and all the growth that he reset. went through okay i've seen it my point of view is that it's a much more mature way to handle things that are otherwise hard to write around and it's taken with a lot of seriousness. Every, it's not, it is not, none of the, the important things happen frivolously, even though they're tropey as fuck on purpose. So I really enjoyed it. I would say that all end to end, the production is really good. And then like the storytelling is, is great and the characterization is great. And anything that's like questionable as far as like creative decisions on the part of the author are just that they're just creative decisions. And I don't really look much more deeply into things than that. Um, Cause everything has a payoff, which is what you need All if you're going to do wacky and silly things. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you, you enjoyed your time with it. Cause it, it really does have like a very polarizing effect on people. Like some people are like, I'm dialed in and other people are just like, I can't believe you watched that filth, that trash. Oh my God. I've seen so many times where like when big things happen, people are like, I'm done with this fucking series. I can't stand this shit. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, that's that? That's what made you decide to stop watching? I was like, have you watched the all the other shit that you watched? Like, do you even have a sense of like what is coming? Because... You're right. It is tropey and you can see some things coming, but when they all happen at the like the perfect times where it's like maximizing like emotions are just everywhere. Like the whole confrontation between Rudy and his dad, that that whole episode was just I don't know, that was perfect. That confrontation, the silence 
of the entire mm-hmm. scene. And even the, the the one supporting character that we don't know nothing about, or the barkeep, it makes absolute mm-hmm. sense that the barkeep is just like, I'm gonna give you all these talk drinks. Because yep, talk to your son. Talk to your son because if if he walks out, like it's over. Yeah. It's over. And over. also it's like, look at what your father is doing as well. Um, yeah. Do you know what's funny about that? How did that episode start? Do you remember the 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 first like uh quarter of that episode? It no. started with like Rudy thinking that he's rescuing someone from a kidnapping, so he becomes like the panty bandit where he puts women's underwear on his head and breaks into the uh the warehouse to rescue yeah. the the kid only and then that leads to him the misunderstanding and the fight and him running into his dad again. That is like that kind of thing is both the genius of the writing but also the the inflection point for like people's critique of what the show is because if you don't find the balance in what that episode delivered from end to end where it starts with something absurd and uh perverted and dumb and then look at where you get to in the end which is like one of the most evocative emotional parts of the whole series you know with him and his father in that bar where their roles are so totally reversed as to what they were before and then rudy determining that the right thing to do here uh is to pretend like nothing all the other stuff they had just gone through in that whole episode that it didn't happen because if you don't if they don't do that then there's no way that any of them can get what they have to get to grow in that moment. Like his father needs him to not hate him and needs him to not have a reason or have not said the things that he said the way that he did. And there's really, you know, if you're talking to a child, there's no way that can happen. But Rudy is actually an adult. Yeah. And so he understands eventually what uh, he has to do. And is kind of sort of like teaching his father at the same time, but also receiving things from him that he never got from his own his own family. So that's a very complicated uh, concept to even write around, let alone execute in the way that the show executes it and the author executed it, you know, in the light novel. It, I mean, what can I say? If you don't respect that, if that's if you're so un, undone by the farce and the, um, you know, the the etchy tones that the show will often play with if you don't if that is preventing you from understanding just what a balancing act is going on that you're right the show isn't for you it's not for you but it's also not bad it's just doing things that you don't appreciate that's about it all righty so uh, all right let's just go on to news then but what do I, <laughs> I only have two things for news um, the Eminence and Shadow is getting gotcha game. I don't know why they're giving it one. Um, maybe that means that they see big potential money-wise. That's great. And the Tact Op smartphone game is actually coming out after what happened with the anime. So that'll also be interesting to see if we get more of that. Actually, I'm not really sure where the anime ended off. I didn't finish that one. I only got like five uh, There, There could be a continuation, but it does have an, a pretty solid like, ending and yeah there could be though okay there, right. i'm just mad at the i went i didn't rewatch the whole thing uh-huh. but like i saw like maybe like th- like um two months ago 
maybe one or two months ago, I had seen something with a character that I really liked that I just didn't get far. I think I stopped like episode six or seven, whatever the episode was where like they they uh, finally catch on to like the main villain's plan and they get ambushed in the woods. And like I stopped right there, but apparently like two episodes later is one of the illest fucking fights of the whole series. Oh shit! Which okay. I never got around to, but I saw, but I saw uh, a clip and I loved it. So I went back and I like rewatched a few more episodes and then just the end. I'm very, I I think it's great. I think everyone should go watch it. I think it's actually a good. It's it's a good series. No no qualifications. There's a character who I believe dies. That made me very upset because they were also, by the point that happened, my favorite thing about <laughs> the series. Aww, okay. Yeah, but that's okay. good. That's a good thing. No, if that I is feel good. something. Because the last yeah, time we good. checked in about it, you were like, yeah, I dropped it too. So I'm just like, okay. Yeah. Well then, let me go on and scurry back over and see what you, see what you're talking about. Yeah, um, there's there's a... Like, if, if it was like a much longer running type of story they had legs to do really amazing things with the power system and how they express that in the world. Oh. But they didn't they didn't ultimately get that deep into it because I've, they had to get to the you know, the yeah. wrap up a lot of loose ends. But, but I respect what was happening over there. Let's just put it that way. I respect that. Okay. Um also Bleach is going to Hulu. Which ah! Is Disney. Ah! So, you know, shit happens. Really? Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it happened. It's it, it's accessible and it's going to be simulcast. That's that's all we could ask for. That should be all you care about. Yeah. And maybe the, yeah, the dub, maybe something about like the, if you care about the dub cast, which I never really watched I, it dubbed. I watched it dubbed only and then I started reading the manga. So. Mm. I, I, but I, I loved I love Johnny Young Bosch. I think he's just a, a really awesome voice actor. So, you know, he's doing Ichigo again. So it's like, all right, cool. Cool. I mean, that, that that's all I got for news. That was the only thing stuff that stood out to me. Um, there wasn't like a ton on my radar this week that wasn't, you know, uh, information about series that are coming not this season. But next season or next year, um, yeah. Aside from like the news about Bleach and Disney, not, it wasn't like not a lot was really on my on my radar. Uh, yeah, so that's that, that's about it. Cool. Well, then my recommendation for this week is Wotakoi. Love is hard for an otaku because I rewatched it again for like the twelfth time. I don't know. I fucking love that series. So, like, if you haven't watched it before, it's a rom-com series about weebs. Wait, not weebs, about geeky people. The weebs are part of it. But, you know, geeky people in multiple facets of life. You got cosplayers, BL lovers, hardcore video game people, like, of varying levels. It's literally just about, like, you know, it's a workplace rom-com with actual adults and... It's just, it's funny. It's entertaining. The episodes are kind of like episodic. And uh, I would like more of it. I would like more seasons of it. But if you haven't checked it out, Wotakoi, Love is Hard for an Otaku. Um, I would even say go read it. I know a lot of people who still are like, they watched the anime and then they came, they became current on the manga and they fucking love it even more. So, you know, go watch or read Wotakoi. 
Yeah, my recommendation is a anime from a few, well, I guess from like a year ago. A year ago today, actually, um, it oh. ended, which is, uh, and we talked a little bit about it, but we weren't following it when it was running, is Dungeon of the Black Company. Um, oh, yeah. So, so my, I think my take on it when I first saw it was that I enjoyed pretty strongly the first three or four episodes, right? I think I watched at the time right up until they went to the brainwashing island where the, the whole episode was like a metaphor about corporate culture and how all they want from you in Japan as like a, a worker in an office is to just become a clone of the guy next to you and follow, you know, make sure you put every rule into your heart about what the comp how the company wants you to act regardless of whether it's good for the company good for you um or good for anybody and so i i that was the that was like the first episode that was as much it was literally like a, a pod episode because it took the two um leads at that point and literally put them on an island away from all the other characters and then had them have like a, a story happen to them that then was wrapped up at the end with like the island getting blown up and then them coming back. So I think I stopped there, not because I wasn't enjoying it, but because like I felt like it was becoming much more of a episodic show than what the first few episodes felt like where they were like more serialized, where like the story was growing and evolving from episode to episode. So I was like, okay, I'm having a good time with this, but like there's plenty of other workplace allegory kind of comedies that do kind of the same thing. And so I could put this to the side, maybe come back later. I did, in fact, go back later. I haven't known I haven't really talked about um, here. And I watched the rest of the series. And A, it's only 12 episodes, got one core. It's good. It's really good. So the serialized aspect came back in directly afterwards. And I got to give credit to both the writing of and the performance of Kinji's character. Kinji's the main character. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those who don't remember, Dungeon of the Black Company is um a neat who had come who had basically solved real estate investment in the real world such that he had created a life for himself where he never had to work he was rich and he had everything he wanted he could just live in a penthouse and play video games and like fuck off and like he didn't because he had he was a legit genius when it came to managing small business or business uh gets transported to another fantasy world where he's forced to be enslaved by a mining company that extracts like crystals, which are kind of currency, kind of fuel from a dungeon. And so the whole concept is that the dungeons are monopolized, not as like places that you go train and get strong, but actually corporate assets that are used to make money. And so he starts out in this massive debt and the hook is supposed to be that he's using all of his scummy, but of highly effective business tactics to regain his like financial um, status and stability and so on. What happens very quickly though, is that rather than being forced to work for a black company, which is what in Japan they call abusive, abusive corporations that treat their, their people very poorly. He winds up starting a company himself and is competing with the black company or with around under, depending on where the story is at uh to run them out of business and solve you know get to the same level he was at when he was in his world not having to work he could just have everything um but the supporting cast is a lot stronger than you would think um the voice 
acting is also really good and it's genuinely like the comedy doesn't stop even as the story goes into fucking outer space like over the top crazy nonsense and the finale was a lot of fun so actually i I want whatever mental rating i give it yes it it has a it has a a finite ending if they want it to end there and if they want to come back to it i believe it's it has nine volumes and so i don't think the anime covered all the material in the nine volumes it just got you to a place where it could go further or just be over um so i i actually went back and watched it i liked it so i will actually recommend folks who may have passed on it last year you know it's not that long it is definitely funny and they do some wild and crazy shit that you probably didn't see coming and then has an ending that is definitive if you need it to be um so it was really cool dungeon of the black company cool all right well that that that's all i got yeah for this here. week all righty um, we got a lot of premieres though oh, between yeah. now and oh yeah the week after it'll be, it'll be bleach time next week Someone bleach. tried to tell me that Bleach wasn't even like no one's gonna be checking for Bleach, bruh. I think everyone's super focused on Chainsaw Man, which I mean, I guess I understand, but Chainsaw Man's only coming out one day a year. I mean, one day a week. So you can only gush about the episode for so long before you want something else. So yeah, niggas are gonna be watching Bleach. What are you talking about? Oh my god, what are they talking about? Um, but if you haven't already and you wanna. Give us your opinions on things. You can find us on Anime Underscore Savants on Twitter and then Anime Regular Savants on YouTube. Certain people you know what? have already you found us. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. TikTok. Let's... Yeah, you, you can find us all over the place. You know, drop drop your comment. Drop your, what, what do you think? If you disagree, let us know. Yeah, and I, I will speak uh, specifically to the... Uh, I won't call them Chainsaw Man apologists because I actually agree with you guys. Don't worry. Um, oh, man, they were just... <laughs> I, I, I agree that the show is going to be big. I the, the statement I've always clung to is that there's some people out there who are millionaires when they really could have been billionaires, which is to say that like something can be very successful and get a lot of attention and we but we only get one world that we live in so if it if it could have been if it is big i'm just saying it could have been bigger if they'd struck at a different time if and again if you'd ask me when i want to release my tentpole you know uh acquisition for my studio that i spent the better part of three years you know turning into what i think is a masterpiece i don't think i want to release it at a time there's like four or five other big series competing directly in my face i want to clear the deck and if you think that I'm I'm hating, I'm not hating. Movie studios do this all the time. And they also fuck it up all the time, too. You know, they've just spent uh, $200 million on a war movie, and then the studio across the street, they got their war movie, and they drop it within two weeks of each other, right? Because that's just a competition. I don't think it's controversial to just say that. There was a period of time when the buzz that is hot now was peaking in a different way, and that hey you capitalize me capitalize i think it's late we'll see what happens maybe chainsaw man will just blow everything else out of the water we'll hear nothing about anything else for a whole year people will be sweating over eh, 
that could happen. I'm just saying that there's a lot of competition, and this is a bad time to drop it. They had a big window. I think that window was summer, um, fall, summer of last year, uh, and there was other shit. So that's what it is. And if YouTube let us post videos as responses, I would just respond to YouTube with the Sabo meme saying, I'm not reading all of that shit. So, I did read. I'm not. I'm not yeah. being mean. I think that I read half of each of them, but then y'all posted like essays, man. Like, come on. It's all good. It's all good. I, there was there's to the the folks who are pointing out the popularity of the series. I agree with you. The series is very very popular. I also think that when the uh, anime drops, it's going to get more popular, and it deserves to be popular because it's very very good. But what I'm the point I'm driving at is. There is a window where it could be the most popular it possibly could be and get the most bang for its buck. And now I think if that peak was 100, you know, we're kind of at a, at 90 of where it could have been. You know, that's it. There's nothing more complicated than that. So thank you all for the feedback. We appreciate it. There's no hate. It's all love. However, we only get the one test case that we've got. So we'll see how things go. Indeed. I guess we're done. Peace out. Yeah. Okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>